right, everybody, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and man who is personally attacked by the title of today's musical, Kava Taharian. I am very intimately acquainted with the topic of today's musical, especially as the levels of estrogen in my body fluctuate after uh, childbirth, Angelina <laughs> Meehan. I mean, I guess I'm very familiar with the concept of what this musical is on the rest of my body, just not on the top of my head, unfortunately. Oh, gotcha, is, you know, gotcha. What we lament. Mine is like, um, I used to have this beautiful, rich espresso bean uh, hair color, and now it is slowly going. Mm-hmm. Gray, and that is my acquaintance with it too. And also, just a profuse amount on my neck. I don't know where it came from, but mine just uh, the old joke is like it just it's running away from the top of my head and it's migrating to my back. That's it. <laughs> Aw, well, it's nice it found a home yeah, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I can transfer all those follicles one day. Right, right. Oh, it'll be like um, like the people that get like the their fat taken out of their guts and put into their butts, but um. With right, like an old Ren and Stimpy cartoon. That's all I remember is oh, the right. butt to chest transplant. Oh, oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh, man. What a trip down yeah. nostalgia lane. Like today's show. Yeah. Um. Like today's show. Like hair. Speaking of nostalgia, so hair, hair. Hair the musical. Hair. Um, besides the follicles on your body, do you do you have the, uh, any associations with uh, this musical slash film? Uh, because it's I don't know a- anything about hair. Oh, really? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you've probably heard a song from hair. You've probably heard multiple songs from hair. Um, OK, OK. If only for the fact that you're a fan of uh, The Simpsons. Uh, I see. It, it's kind of one of the last shows because this, this came out in 1968 that kind of eclipsed the just Broadway and was also like just a general like pop cultural phenomenon, um, like where it wow. had songs that charted on the radio and. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll get more into it, but it was it was quite the big thing. It was quite the, the in, in in I guess comparing it to like Hamilton or Rent or you know even things that came before it like West Side Story, where it was like the youth culture show of its day. I see. Um, you've probably heard um, "Good Morning Starshine." It was used in the uh, Simpsons episode of the the X Files Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns. Uh, they think he's an alien. I bring you love. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess like, good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. It's also been used in like I a can't ton say of I remember the song. Oh, man. I remember the episode, but I don't remember Yo, the song. Oh, jeez. There's also like um, Let the Sunshine In has been used in like a ton of commercials. I, I, I don't know. I feel like. Oh, to yeah. Me, like, don't they use it at the end? Is Age of Aquarius? Is that the same song? Yeah, Age of Aquarius. It's, it's not the same song, but it's um, it, from here. It, yeah, Age of Aquarius oh, is okay. from here. I just remember at the end of uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, they do the whole like, oh, let that's right. the sunshine sun at the end of it. Yeah. The sunshine. Yeah. So you you've heard songs from here. It. it okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I my 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 mom really yeah, liked. What's this your show. what's your association with it? Okay. Your mom knew it. Okay. Okay. My mom knew this show because like when my mom was a would be hippie and uh, also just loved musicals and uh, just also just a big fan of its director Milos Forman. Like we watched a lot of Milos Forman movies in my house growing Our up. Our boy Milos. Our boy Milos is here. Um, and this is kind of one of his more forgotten one of the films. Greats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I and I honestly haven't seen this movie since maybe I was fifteen or sixteen years old. You know, maybe mm. freshman year of college. Um, but for the I, audience at home who doesn't know Milos, uh, very famously oh, yes. directed <laughs> "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest." Yeah, which uh, uh, won all five of the uh, big awards. All the awards. I think it's, it was no, yeah, it's, yeah. It's one of the few movies to have done that, big right? Film. It was like that in Silence of the Lambs, I think, and 
I'm not sure, actually. That's a statistic I'm not really familiar with. And then the other yeah. one, of course, being Amadeus, which is you and I are like Amadeus soulmates <laughs> on that. Yeah. It's, it's like it's literally like, I watched a billion times growing up. Does that count as a musical? It's a lot of songs, sort honestly, of, right? Honestly, uh, <laughs> I, I, let's, let, we, let, we'll do Amadeus explaining because uh, it is, it, I'd say it does. It's got choreography. It's got music. The music. There's opera. There's a yeah, show in it, right? It's like, there, there you know, is. It, it was a play on Broadway before. I feel like we can, we could, we can make a case for making Amadeus an episode of musical explaining yeah. um <laughs> but uh yes but this this is his uh 1979 uh film version of hair um again have not seen it in the longest time uh but i have there was in 2009 a revival of the show on broadway which i saw and honestly genuinely really loved so um i'm really curious to revisit this well i was gonna say so he directed fucking one floor of the cuckoo's nest and was like, I'm going to follow this up with right. hair, the musical, <laughs> right? right? That, and my, that, this isn't like a, something where he was like, well, I got to get to that next level by doing hair, the musical. He's like, no, I yeah. get to do this now that I can do what I want. That's very yeah. interesting. Without diving too much into his personal life, um, because he'd come from obviously the Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia while it was under communist yes, rule. And he was communism. like, yes, yeah, and was very into, and very into things that were about the Vietnam war just because of the struggle of communism versus capitalism. And then saw hair and was mm. like, this is like so contradictory to like my own personal beliefs, but fascinating. And like, I, there's like a really great direct well, quote from him. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, about how it was like looking in this like strange mirror that could only exist in America. And I'll have to find it for part uh, two. But like, I read that. Okay. And I was like, yeah, Damn, yeah, I'm interested in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, I'm very excited to rewatch this one, especially because like I didn't know who he was, you know, at the time when I'd mm-hmm. first seen this movie. I was just like, this is a fucking weird movie as an 11 year old <laughs> watching this. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting. Like I, I think Amadeus was right after this too. And like uh, Twyla Tharp does the choreography for this movie and is like kind of one of the preeminent choreographers of the 20th century also ended up working on Amadeus oh. with him. Yeah. Like, so nice, yeah, yeah nice. he, he meets, he meets some, some of his gang here in this, but yeah, uh, that said, maybe we should just get right into the notes. Okay. Let's do it. Yes. Um, yeah. Hair. Is a hold on. Let me pull them up right here. Hair, 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 hair. Today, gone tomorrow. Hair is a 1979 musical comedy drama film directed by Milos Forman, based on the 1967 hit musical of the same name, featuring a book and lyrics by George Ragney and James Rado. Ragney and Rado sounds like a fun duo. And music by Ragney and Rado. That sounds like a really cool like TV show or something. Yeah, um, right. And music by <laughs> Galt McDermott. The Which film is a stars Beverly. Name. <laughs> These are a lot of cool names so far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the film stars Beverly D'Angelo, of course, uh, Treat Williams, and John Savage. Um, differing fairly significantly in plot from the stage version, Hare tells the story of Cloud. Claude, Claude, a young Vietnam War draft, uh, young Vietnam War draftee who meets and befriends a tribe. Tribe in quotes. Of yeah. New York City hippies. Why? Is it just a loose affiliation? Is that why? It's not a proper yeah, tribe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, befriends a tribe of New York City hippies while on his way to the Army Induction Center. The hippies and their leader, Berger, introduce him to marijuana, LSD, uh-oh, and their environment of open relationships and draft evasion. Goodness. Along the way, Claude also falls for Sheila, a wealthy young New Jersey woman who enjoys the unorthodox hippie life compared to her debutante upbringing. Um, we call those trust fund hippies. Um, <laughs> right. Will Claude actually, they're all over Venice and fucking Burning Man. Um, <laughs> will Claude actually join the army or will his newfound lifestyle sway him towards P? Oh, I'm sorry. No, this is the cool part that I got to ask the questions. Will Claude actually join the army or will his newfound lifestyle sway him towards peace? Will free love win? 
What exactly is the age of Aquarius? All this and more in hair. Hair. (laughs) Beautiful. You really like got to have a side gig doing this stuff, man. I love this. This is my favorite part is getting to do that part. Uh, Hair the Musical was originally conceived by Ragni and Rado, the cool TV show that needs to exist. Uh, Then working (laughs) actors who had met while performing off-Broadway, Rado described the inspiration for Hair as a combination of some characters we met in the streets. People who... Poople. Poopoos. People we knew in our own imaginations. I've already been fired from my next job. Uh, We knew this group of kids in the East Village who were dropping out and dodging the draft. And there were also lots of articles in the press about how kids were being kicked out of school for growing their hair long. Producer Eric Blout brought the material to composer Galt McDermott, who wrote the score independent of its creators in a span of three weeks. It first opened at the Public Theater in October of 1967, then moved to the Cheetah, a midtown discotheque, before finally opening on Broadway at the Biltmore Theater, now the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, on April 29th, 1968. It ran for four years, during which multiple highly successful regional and international productions were also launched. The film made its debut at Cannes. Uh, in the festival in 1978, I assume it also won sorry. every single one of the Oscars. Oh, sorry, 79. Uh, I yeah. assume it won all of the Oscars for which it was nominated as well, seeing as how it's a very revered film. Yeah, I, I don't. I actually don't know what it was nominated for. If it was nominated for anything. Oh, that was a this joke. Always, I didn't think it was. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Like, you're you're like making me second guess myself here. And like, this is a movie and slash a musical. I'm a little a lot too deadpan sometimes. Second guessing reality. Sometimes you are. Have you ever stopped to consider how the way you talk hurts me? Um, <laughs> it's true. I'm sorry. My apologies. My bad. My bad. Uh, hair opened and. It had gone through so many changes, like the public theater, which is famously where Hamilton made its debut. And it's the public theater's mission is Mm, kind of about exploratory theater and and giving things um, eyeballs that they might not have gotten otherwise. It had been changed so many times. A lot of people were just like who who had originally signed onto it were like, this is incomprehensible. And I don't know how we're going to make this work. Love it. So it got passed around a lot. And then when it made its debut on Broadway, it was just like such a smash hit, like that uh, production in London okay. opened the next year, um, a production in France opened the next year, and a production in Munich opened the next year. And meanwhile, they were also running a production in, I forget if it was San Francisco or Los Angeles, that was also highly successful. It was like it was like the Phantom of the Opera of its day in terms of just like this, like immediately just like kind of being total dog shit. Oh, oh excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I did not invite this kind of negativity into my into my space how dare you like this this is this is this cackling is is aging me it's turning all my hair gray but um yeah like amongst full gray yeah and amongst like a bunch of the people that had started either the broadway production or or any of these productions you had people like um uh diane keaton was in the original broadway cast meatloaf was in it at Uh, one point um I think Bruce Springsteen had famously auditioned for hair and didn't even want to be at the audition oh for God. it. And then like immediately got turned down. Uh, Donna Summer was in the original German production of it. She had auditioned for the New York one and they Whoa. said, well, you can open it in, in Germany for us. So like there's there's like names attached to this, you know, yeah. like it really it's one of those shows that like I used to think was just like kind of a dated um period piece uh and then yeah. thinking about it again and, and and seeing the 2009 uh broadway revival of it was so i enjoyed it immensely but like 
Yeah. Thinking about it in the context of what Broadway was like in 1967 and the things that this show touches upon. Now, I haven't seen the movie in a long time and I remember it being very different from the stage show. Mm -hmm. uh, but like mm -hmm. just being like kind of like, damn, like they really did something amongst one of its most notorious things is at the end of the first act. Everyone got naked. Uh, <laughs> like sweet. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's bits and tits everywhere. And like it was it wasn't fun, mandatory fun. for the cast to do it. But like everyone was kind of sure. like, yeah, fuck it. Why time. not? They're like, yeah. Right. Like this was oh, that theater written. must have smelled so bad. Oh. <laughs> Just like let the sun shine in. I don't know. Let some air yeah. in. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Truly gross. Yeah. Hair more like booty stank. But um, yeah. So like quite quite the cultural phenomenon. Um, again, I'm a huge fan of uh, well, huge fan. I don't know. Like, it's like, how do I think about hair? It feels like such a different show to me because um, a lot of. Uh, the stage show is is mostly just kind of vignettes of this tribe of people airing their grievances against a ton of things uh, about 60s culture, not just the war, but like drug usage and and and, and interracial uh, marriage and 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 gender expression and homosexuality, as they would have said in 1967. All, all things that we've mentioned have been solved and are no right. longer problems anymore. Right, exactly. 2022, so in a weird way, we fixed it, guys. Yeah, honestly, yeah, exactly. Like, people just having to go and fight in a war they don't believe in. Like, yeah, this is going to be really dated when we watch it. It's not going to feel gonna relevant be at all. It's going to be so dated. Um, I, I did go and re-listen to the, to the 2009 uh, cast recording of it again. I was like, damn, man, hair maybe kind of still rules. I don't I don't know. Um, kind of, but yeah, like, okay. It is. It is. I am interested in watching the movie just because, as I said, like the, the stage version is kind of notoriously not incomprehensible, but it is a lot of just kind of there's a there is a plot, but it's a very loose Stuff, plot. Sort of. Is this sort of revered still or is it sort of like a old thing that people do? Like, are, are they easy to put on shows? Do a lot of people put them on in your knowledge of theater people? Like they still kind of I or think is hair sort of like a. It's an easy show to put on in terms of like it doesn't have a huge technical demand into it mm -hmm. because a lot of it is just like you're in like whether you want to pretend it's Central Park or just some empty space where all of these like hippies are just existing like and it okay. kind of lends itself to a lot of um artistic interpretation <laughs> like okay a lot of there are a lot of uh, sequences that are just like hallucinations or um just yeah people just kind of standing and singing their grievances to you know an audience i'm getting the sense that this kind of falls into like Jesus Christ Superstar, fucking Xanadu, maybe sure, a little bit Joseph, yeah. something around. Is it like in that that sort of uh, I, realm I think, of the world? Yeah, I think um, when I like re-listening to Hair, I think this is the show that Andrew Lloyd Webber actually really wanted to write. Uh, I think okay, I, all right, I, all right. I think it, it does what he never quite succeeds in doing, which is sounding like actual youth culture music at the time. Um, mm, okay. But, but, but respecting it all the same uh it's very funny because like i was re uh doing a little bit of research on this leonard everyone like uh who had seen this that was like a music writer in theater hated it like leonard bernstein was like all these songs are just list <laughs> songs and i hate them all apparently john lennon hated this uh but yeah. upset john lennon i know you wouldn't want to upset john lennon the leader of the youth culture and this is again this was in 1967 so the beatles still had like a thing going on here and i, I find yeah, that yeah. dichotomy very interesting that he saw this and was like, well, this sucks. And I, I'm sure it was from some sort of weird, like theater of the bourgeoisie perspective that he had, even though mm. he was literally a member of the Beatles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, Rag Ragni and Rado. Are they guys that like went on to do a bunch of other shit that people would know? Or this is mostly I think this was I think this for? is mostly their thing that they are known for. Um, yeah, okay. I'd say pretty firmly. I don't, don't think they've 
really ever written anything like this ever again. It's very funny um, because the the composer of the music, uh, Galt McDermott, uh, when he had been approached to write music for this, he was like, I had never met a hippie at this point. Like I had short hair and like I lived in, I think, Hoboken, New Jersey and just like had mm-hmm. no connection whatsoever to uh, what hair was about. And it, an interesting enough thing about this movie version of it is that uh, the compo- uh, the writers hated it, like hated it. Really? So <laughs> they thought it was a disservice to what they were writing. So again, with that in mind, which I did not know when I'd first seen hair and when I'd seen, you know, subsequently stage productions of it, um, I, I am interested to watch this now, knowing that as a fan of both the show and a fan of Milos Forman as a filmmaker. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else that you wanted to discuss or should we just go ahead and uh, cut the break think, and go I, watch I it? I think we should just go like free fall right into hair, throw ourselves. Just you know like what's hippies. interesting to me? One last thing that yes. this was made in 1979, you know, 12 years after Ten the years show. After yeah. Right, right. We're, we're, we're about to hit Reaganism. So I'm just also very curious to see how it, how it plays, you know? <laughs> it's interesting to think of this coming out around the same time as Apocalypse Now. Right, like, right. Here's here's something that's like happens years after like the initial conflict that was being discussed. And then it's right. almost like a for the first time you're looking back at like, oh, this is what it really meant to be like a hippie or it meant to be like in Vietnam. And maybe there's a right. revision, not revisionist, but a sort of like critical lens that you couldn't look at it at the time. I'm totally just guessing. Yeah. Here, like it kind of it contains. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it kind of contains every cliche about anything made about Vietnam and youth culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Um but also, like, the text itself was written during the time. So, like, I don't know. It's like, a, I, I, it's it's strange to me. Uh, I will say, oh, one last thing. George Lucas uh, was originally approached to direct this and uh, turned it down. Really? Oh, that's yeah. like after he, after he made uh, American Graffiti or something? They yeah, thought, yeah, like, yeah. You know how to do the youth culture stuff. You do stuff. the nostalgia stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that was, like, that the sense. line of thinking there. But um, instead, we got me I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I could honestly see George Lucas making hair, if only for Chewbacca. Um, and also yeah. because <laughs> Star Wars notoriously has iconic hair. So, you know, what did and we he's lose? Got incre- he's got an incredible he's got, fucking he's got head of great hair. hair. Unbelievable. Unbelievable He's like 70 and has like the hair of like a 25 year old. A 14 year old. No, not even like a 14 year old. Like that shit <laughs> basically is like a half inch from his eyebrows. That fucking hairline. I obsess it's about this stuff as I've gotten older. So it's so. Oh, you just so like notice thick. other people's hair. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just like, I wish I was like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. no. No, uh, George Lucas, incredible head of hair. Yeah, if you're listening to this, we need you to know that you have incredible hair. Um, sorry you didn't direct hair, or maybe not sorry. For all I know, this movie is fantastic. But um, uh, yeah, hair, let's get into it. Let's get into some hair. Yeah. All right. Flow it, it show it. For... <laughs> all right, we're going to break and come back. Woo! This episode is brought to you by Nebula Classes. Along with videos and podcasts, you can now learn skills from your favorite creators and fully produced classes available exclusively on Nebula. Fans of this show might want to check out Theater Guide with Anna Gelman. Theater is one of the oldest art forms in the world, so why not take a peep behind the scenes to see how it all works? Join theatrical director Anna Gelman as she guides us through an introduction to theater. You'll learn the fundamentals from the story of how it came to be to the reality of what goes into making a show. Get the tools you need to be an expert dramaturgical patron. Whether you're seeing a local community production of Twister the Musical in your hometown, or the glitzy, star-studded London premiere of Twister the Musical on the West End, it's showtime. A subscription to Classes includes Nebula, with over 14,000 videos from over 150 creators, 
dozens of high production originals, and tons of things. The whole shebang is $10 a month or $100 for the year. But if you visit nebulaclasses.com slash splain, you can sign up for the annual plan for only $80 a year. Or if you're already a Nebula or Curiosity Stream subscriber, upgrading to classes is just an extra five bucks a month. You don't need to have completed any classes to know that's a great deal. So what are you waiting for? Nebula Classes is now in session. No, I've had that song Sun. stuck in my head all fucking week. Um, it's a catchy song. It's, it's a catchy song. I'll give it that. It's a very catchy song. There's a it's lot a, of catchy songs in this. Yeah, yeah. No, like the the thing about and like the thing about hair is that like especially this movie adaptation is it cuts like half of the songs that are in hair out of it. There's like eight thousand fucking songs in hair, and a couple of my favorite ones aren't even in the movie. But um, let the sunshine in is a good one. That's that's a good one. So hair hair is the story of I guess it's. The central focus of the story, it's about a guy named Claude. Yeah, yeah. Who leaves Oklahoma, I believe, is yeah. where he's from. Yeah, he's right? from Oklahoma. So yeah. he leaves Oklahoma. He's shipping out into the army. Yeah. Uh, but first he has to get, he takes a bus to New York and he's like, oh, I got like two days to kill or two or three days to kill. Right. His dad gave him some money and he's like, go see the Empire State Building and see the right. sites before you ship off to um, basic training. Right, yeah. And so he shows up, he gets off. Does he get off the bus in Central Park? I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like somewhere. I think he gets off at Central, like in Central Park. But yeah, like he, but he, what he basically stumbles immediately into Central Park and just sees yes a bay ass group of hippies. uh, Yeah, singing and dancing. Williams playing uh, playing fucking the ringleader. His name's Burger. He's this guy with really crazy eyebrows and big hair. Yeah, he's got like a. A gang of people that a gang of hippies that he hangs out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like, hey, yeah, can you it, give me some money? And he's like, why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he comes up to this like very like like square looking dude and is like, give us money. And yeah, the guy's like, oh, I, I've never seen anything of such. Yeah, I've never seen. I've a never seen a hippie thing. before. Yeah, exactly. He's just basically like over like powered by all of these hippies, and then like. They basically he's skeptical. He's skeptical, he's skeptical yes, at he's, first. He's yes. very skeptical of them. And then uh, there's a, a group of, of women riding horses through Central Park. Equestrians. Equestrian yeah. women. The upper crust. Yes. Uh, the Short Hills, New Jersey crowd riding through on their horses. And one of them is Beverly D'Angelo, who plays Sheila. Uh, and she and Claude lock eyes. And then also he finds out that they wanted to rent a... Um, uh, a horse for one of their friends. Uh, right. Wolf, I think his name is. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, what a name. What a name. Uh, so he gives him that money to uh, rent a horse. Or he gives him a quarter. Yep. Yeah, to help them. <laughs> right, right, right. Because <laughs> that's how much it used to cost in the late right 60s. You could rent a house. A horse for a fucking twenty five cents. I know. And back in my day, you could rent fucking a, inflation. You could rent a you could rent a fine stallion for a quarter. Yeah. This days. is why the boomers are always like, you could just pay off for college. Right. You could just rent a horse for a quarter, and you can right. pay off college by working by flipping burgers over the summer. Right. It's just a horse, Michael. What could it cost? A yeah. quarter. Like. <laughs> Ten dollars. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, uh, they rent a horse and basically like, I'm like, I guess the, the they rent a horse with the money that Claude gives them. So Claude's kind of cool with them and vice versa. And so Claude decides to like they strike up unlikely friendship. Yeah. Like they, they hang out for the night and get Claude insanely high 
And yeah, he's never been high before. Right. He's like, oh shit, this is cool. Right. And he's like, okay, now I got to go do all the stuff that I said I was going to do with my money. And then Burger goes to take a piss. Yeah. And he pisses on this newspaper and it's yeah. got a picture of Beverly D'Angelo. Apparently she's having a fucking, I don't know, a debutante ball. Yeah, or it's like a debutante party. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, dude, come look at this pissy newspaper, that girl that you're in love with. Let's go crash this party. I just pissed on her face. Let's go to her party. (laughs) So they go to her house in Short Hills, New Jersey, where they're having this very fancy party. But you you learn that Sheila's like kind of a bit, you know, of a wild child, too, because she's smoking weed in her room with her friends Mm, and like getting wild, does not want to do the stupid debutante thing. Um, So the hippies crash it. Immensely. Pretend like nothing's. They pretend like they just belong there. Right, right. This is all spearheaded by by Berger, who's just, you know, I have to say, is this sort of like this? You're, he's kind of a dick the whole movie. Like, yeah, he's sort of one of these like terrible narcissists that's like disguised himself as a hippie. Where you're like, no, I'm doing it for free love, but you're actually just a huge fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very funny because uh, um, Ragni and Reto, one of them, Claude is based on. I forget who's based on who, but they were like, yeah, we, uh-huh. I was the more extrovert and he was the more introverted one. That's uh-huh. kind of a little dickhead. And so like, because they also yeah. played the parts in the original hair too. Oh, they did. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and that's even though like the movie is very different from the plot of the stage show, uh, it's still yeah. Burger still is like this big extroverted like kind of yeah. dickhead dropout like from high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that so, that's maintained. Yeah, yeah. And then they have like this big dinner party, and then they just invite themselves to that, and yeah. then they find out, and then like the parents find out. Like, oh, who the fuck are these hippies? Get rid of them. And then yeah. before they leave, Burger makes the scene where he's like, my friend over here is going to go fight for your freedoms. And he just right. wanted to stare at your debutante for a while so he can put it in the spank bank before he leaves. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. That's it. And like stands on the table and causes a scene and then they all get arrested and right. then they all go to jail. Right. And then, and uh, then they, Claude uses they his money. Bail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Claude uses his money, the $50 his dad gave them to bail them out. Um, and then they go to find Sheila to get money from her to pay back Claude, basically. Like, that's what I think. Is- well, no, no, no. I think they're all still in jail. Oh, they're and all then still in like, jail. That's it right. It costs more money. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And so he's right. like, so Berger, of course, being the selfish one, is like, just give me the money and right. then I'll go get money for the rest of us. And Claude's like, I don't fucking know you, dude. Why right. would I give you money? But right. of course, Claude just, or sorry, Berger just like sort of berates him himself into it. Yeah. And then goes back to the fucking debutantes and like right. harasses them on their way to school. Right. Yeah. Like literally gets in their car with them and just like hangs. Right. Like he, he he basically starts like playing grab ass with Sheila in the right. car. He's while assaulting her brother- Sheila. Right. Right. Yeah. While her brother's sitting in the back of the car. Not a good dude. Not no. A good dude. He's, he's a terrible dude. He's, he's actually like, I'm like trying to think about this. I'm like, he's not that awful in the show, but they really lean into like, yeah, like this extroverted, I can get away with a lot of shit because I, you know, yeah. say free love at the front of it. Um, right, right. So then that happens. They all get out of jail. They go to one of those. Oh, no, no, no. You forgot an important detail, which is that like he doesn't get the money, but then he's able to just go to his middle class mom uh, and right, dad. Right, and right, like, right. Yes. Yeah. Like, Come wash your pants. And he's yeah. like, hey, mom, just can you give me money? And she's like, how much you need? Because his dad's like, dude, get a job. Do something right. with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, but he, and his mom secretly gives him cash. And then, he, of course, he gets everybody out. So he's the hero. Which yeah. really, he didn't need to do any of it he could have just gone to his fucking parents from right the beginning. right yeah it's um it's a very uh rent <laughs> i'll just like <leave> yeah. <laughs> this is very much like rent where they're like roger this is your mother roger honey um yeah but Call me uh, back. yes uh they're, oh it's like funny too because they think he got somebody pregnant and like so they're like whose is right, it right. like whose is it what do you yeah uh. um 
and like he's like very like yeah mom and dad you don't you know it's like kind of like the one only scenes where you, you see him looking like a dork you know like yeah like just straight up dorky entitled yeah uh and then they go to a giant sit-in um or be in rather is what they were called in in central park and uh An lsd in. Uh, yeah they take <laughs> yeah uh, claude takes lsd and then has this elaborate like hallucination it's scene pretty cool. yeah it's so it's super i forgot how fucking cool it was um yeah. where it's just like a mixture of all of like the, the, the cultures he's come into contact with from like his cowboy yeah. background and, you know, Beverly D'Angelo's like rich girl stuff and Catholicism. And, and she's then, like, like her- flying around. She's like a pregnant yeah. bride, like flying through a church with yeah. like smoke. It's really crazy. It's genuinely like, I forgot how bonkers it was and like how cool it's it cool. looks. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I was like, this is fucking awesome. It's a great sequence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, he comes down from that. They, uh, he, he's, he's still committed to going to, um, the recruitment center the next Infantry, day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, they basically decide to go skinny dipping in the reservoir at right, Central park. Right. Uh, and burger plays a mean trick on Sheila where like he steals her clothes. And so she has to like take a cab ride home naked and like, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Uh, Claude goes to basic training and meanwhile, like time passes Sheila finds the hippies again and they all decide to go out to Nevada where basic training Nevada is happening. Yeah, right. uh, there's like HUD. And, one then, of, and then it gets fucking crazy. Yeah. Then like the last, the, the third act of this movie is fucking wild. Yeah. Anyway, continue, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, so like, it's like him and then like the one Annie Golden character who is pregnant and nobody knows, like Jeannie's her name, I think is the character's name in the stage show mm-hmm, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then HUD and he, HUD has a wife on the side and like, she sees that HUD like might have, be having, you know, Jeannie's kid or whatever. But then like, she's like, Okay, I'll come his with you guys. Lafayette. Yeah, yeah, Lafayette's his real name, but he goes by he HUD. He's like, I ain't no Lafayette. Yeah, I'm HUD. He screaming. He's like, you wouldn't understand. I've been to cosmic consciousness right. and all that shit. She's like, and you have a kid. And then she sings one of my favorite songs in the show, which is um, Easy yeah. to Be Hard. Uh, and But then then ultimately it's like, okay, I'll go to Nevada with you He's and like, all of your- it. Yeah. yeah, with all you and your stupid ass friends. And um, <laughs> so they, they go out to Nevada. The base is on lockdown, so they can't get in. But then- Beverly D'Angelo flirts with a guy and gets his. Yeah, she does the old like break into like, you know, it's like yeah. when they beat up somebody and steal their fucking uniform and then someone else puts it on. So right. She pretends to sleep with. The, she wants to like fake sleep with like a general or something. Yeah, at the bar. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, they like she steals his car and like takes his outfit. And yeah. then uh, Burger puts it on. But then they cut Burger's hair. Yeah. Yep. Wink, wink. It's like yep. the title of the film. Yep. Uh and then he goes in undercover, yeah. pretending to be the general into the army base. They let him in. Yeah. He <laughs> finds Claude and he's like, hey, dude, check it out. I like snuck in. Yeah. We're all having a picnic outside. Right, right. You want to go bang like, your dude, girlfriend? I can't just, yeah. He's <laughs> like, dude, I can't just leave. They do fucking uh, roll call and all that. And he's like, right. check it. Just get naked and I'll wear your clothes. So he does a double outfit change. <laughs> right. So then Claude's now the general, drives out of the base. Yeah. And then um, and Burger is pretending to be Claude. Yeah. And he's like, herp, dirt, look at me. Yeah. I'm a fucking uh, right. I'm an army guy. Huh? Right. And then uh, then all of a sudden it's, it's like, like Inception, like two levels of fucking army in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh oh. Um, and then they're like, "Oh shit, war! We're, we're declared. Sh- yeah, what we're, yeah, war's declared. We got to ship you out." So basically, Burger gets sent to Vietnam in uh, Vietnam. Claude's place, and that's kind of the end. And he fucking dies. Yeah, he fucking dies. He fucking dies. He fucking <laughs> and dies. And they in cut Vietnam. to like his. They cut to the fucking uh, what is it like? Not the memorial, but like the the, the cemetery, cemetery where like yeah. all the crosses are for the Vietnam vets. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, fucking Burger died, yeah. and then like they're all everybody else is like sad, and then they sing a big song, yeah. and then all these. 
people show up and it's it's a really it's a fucking like that's a that's some left field shit i did yeah. not see the way that that yeah. story was gonna end yeah <laughs> uh it, um, and then it ends yeah that, then then it ends and uh in the stage show, uh, Claude is so Claude is basically like he he is already a hippie when the show begins. He's already in yeah. the crowd, but like you can tell, like they haven't like the, this movie starts with them burning their draft cards, but that's actually like the ending of the first act, like where everyone mm-hmm. just like throws their draft card into a fire can, and and Claude doesn't because he still has like all of this angst. And then basically the second act is Claude tripping the whole time, and like it's just a series of like insane. That's yeah, it's insane. It's it's very different from like the trip that he has in the movie, but it's a bunch of different vignettes mm-hmm. that are about all sorts of things on top of like, mm-hmm. like basically he after all of this like thing about identity and 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 free love and stuff that he's hallucinating about, he decides that he wants to be invisible. Like that's what he's been like missing in his oh. life is being invisible, and so he decides to you know like allow himself to be drafted in. So he gets drafted in, and then like the beginning of uh, Let the Sunshine In starts. And uh, everyone comes in and starts singing it. He disappears. And then this is how it ended in the 2009 stage version. They're singing Let the Sunshine In. Claude says he wants to be invisible. You see him in his air uh, or his his military outfit. And then he leaves the stage Mm -hmm. and everyone starts singing Let the Sunshine In. And then they slowly start leaving the stage. And you see an American flag draped on the floor and Claude's dead body like lying on it as they're leaving. Okay, so he dies in that one. Yeah, he died. Like, so Claude is the one who dies at the end. Um, And like, yeah, everyone's leaving the stage and like the let the sunshine is like becoming more discordant and like floaty. And then like it just sits with his like and like it's weird because like the audience was getting into like clapping along at the end. And then like, yeah, it just reveals Claude's dead body on the American flag. And that's how it ends. And like I I was like, (laughs) shit, like because I I hadn't thought about hair in in a serious way uh, since seeing the movie as like a 13 year old um, Mm -hmm. when I saw that production of hair. And then again, have not thought about hair until we started talking about it now pretty much so i literally got a haircut this morning in oh. preparation for the second half of <laughs> that was why you got a haircut <laughs> holy shit this is like some next level it's like trying um, to get in character yeah yeah your meta. method you're doing like a real method actor type things <laughs> just so you can talk about the movie hair but uh yeah exactly. so so um and like in in the stage show sheila is not a debutante she's in the tribe of hippies too but she's definitely like she's right. you know a freshman at nyu and she comes from a like you know, right. a middle class background, presumably, and is more like action focused than anybody else in this like tribe. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's that's basically the plot of Hair of the Stage Show versus the movie. <laughs> Did you prefer the movie plot or the the musical plot? Because from what I've understood, it's I, I do prefer the movie to I mean, actually, I haven't seen, obviously, the musical, sure. but just based on what it's supposed to be. It, it makes sense that you would start Claude's story about like he's going into the draft and then. Sure. <clears throat> having uh, trying to see like this, the effect of the uh, hippies sort of trying to like sort of change his mind sure. and it doesn't really work, uh-huh, especially uh-huh. like the acid trip being something that's like he trips on acid, but it doesn't like free him oh, and yeah. turn him into like this hippie. He just right. sort of has it's it's very interesting because usually what you would see is like, oh, my God, like free love and peace. And really all it mm-hmm. did was sort of heighten his own experiences, like you said, like all these different things that he's come into contact with, which I think is a truer yeah, uh, a, a truer version of like what it is to trip on psychedelics. Don't sure. tell my mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. No, nobody Ooh. here on this podcast has ever done anything illegal. I want to make that very yeah. clear. Um, no, uh, uh, I don't. You know, I, I think I preferred the stage version just because, like, it comes to the same kind of like conclusion that Claude's character has, like, just kind of being like 
I guess, terrified and overwhelmed by the world because there is all of this, like all these, you know, new free ideas being presented to him, but it does not negate the world that, you know, he lives in. And I, sure, yeah, I yeah. especially when you're like, especially because like, it's definitely emphasized that these kids are very young in the stage show. Like these yeah, are like yeah. burgers, a high school dropout, you know, like, like they're young and like all of these new yeah. ideas being thrown at you when you have like such little control over your life and to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to want to do meaningful dissidents, uh, like, you know, burning your draft card and potentially going to jail is terrible. Like, like that, like what kind yeah, of choice can you really, have? You're right. The film doesn't really like play into that. As yeah. Much. And, and so like in the stage show where Claude just has this long monologue about wanting to be invisible, like that to me, like, like really, I, I went and rewatched like a, mm-hmm. a version. <laughs> I watched a boot of uh, the 2009 production after watching the movie again. And um, just like mm-hmm. this idea of like wanting to be invisible because you're overwhelmed by the world itself. I get it. Yeah. Um, Hashtag relatable. And like, it's, it's hard to talk about this without going to like so much discourse about like, you know, people who fought in the Vietnam war and how like America looked at them and how the world looked at them and stuff like that. But just like being like, I, I, I don't know, just kind of like back into this corner where, you know, one option is to, you know, skew everything that you've known. And then the other option is just like, I don't want to go to jail <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and not really having, I don't know when you're 18, like you're, you're 18, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. I, I, we are like, we're all adults here thinking about us at 18 is embarrassing, you know, cause what the fuck did you know at 18? Listen, I was exchanging musicals on what was it? The, the uh, live journal. Excuse you. Live journal. I was, How dare you? How? I was doing live journal exchanges. No, I was not cool. I'm kidding. Sure. Oh yeah, that was the cool thing. You were in art school. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because um, no one's cooler than people in art school. And no one uh, <laughs> is more respected. Yeah, yeah. Art, art students are great. Uh, um, no, but uh, like, yeah, but like when you're 18, like you don't know anything, and just like that cosmic idea of not knowing anything and that being abused, you know, like, like, yeah. Yeah. And being forced to make these huge, huge decisions. Right. Even adults who are like, you know, our age would have like a really hard time. Right. You know, probably trying to navigate it, let alone somebody who hasn't had 20 years of life experience on top of whatever they are at their age to sort of navigate the morality. And we're pre like, you know, everyone has like therapy and we talk to people about things, you know, we don't like, like kids are more exposed to shit that like, I guess their parents wouldn't have exposed them to Mm -hmm. in the sixties. Um, just, yeah, like that, like wanting to disappear. And I understand that feeling, you know, just wanting to be invisible, like, but like the irony of that is like, yeah, you just become like another faceless dead body in like the machine, right? In a sea of fucking things. Yeah. And for what? For nothing. For nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, I, like, again, I hadn't really thought about hair and for the longest time I was like, is hair kind of a relic? And I, I honestly like sitting and watching both versions of this, I enjoyed them both for different reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. and was like, honestly kind of moved by them both. So I, yeah. I, I have to say, so my interpretation of this, and again, you can sort of argue, but I'm just going based sure. off of like what the text of the film was. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that what was interesting is, is that Berger goes from being this like totally, as we said, selfish, terrible person. Sure. Who like doesn't do anything for anyone mm-hmm. to in some ways kind of being redeemed because he does actually yeah. kind of sacrifice himself for his friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, cause you know, again, if you look at the text of the film at any point, he could have just been like, Hey, I'm not fucking a quad. I'm burger. We swapped out. Like this is all a huge misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do it. Like he's freaked out and he's confused and he's just sort of like, sort of goes along with it. But like, Mm -hmm. he clearly just, I I don't know if he, obviously I don't think he does it because he's like a good person, but I think like 
he's just he's like Mac Dre about it. He's like, I'm not going to fucking snitch and like right. out my friend and right. get him in fucking trouble about right. it. Right. So he's just like, don't ask me shit. Like, I'll just go. So in some ways he transcends like this person who has a supposed quote unquote, which he doesn't even really, but he thinks he has like, he subscribes to some sort of ideology about being like a hippie. Sure. Right. Right. And instead just does this thing. That's like a great sacrifice for his friend who this yeah. guy that like, he's only met like whatever, two or three days before, but right. like, you know, you get the sense that he's like, okay, he really did kind of care about Claude in some yeah. way because like he did still go. I mean, again, part of it is like, you don't know if he's how much of this is him being an asshole and selfish, how much of it is like, maybe he did care on some level, but right. it's like, he does crash the debutante's ball and make a scene to be like, this guy's about to go fucking die for you right. people. Like, yeah. the least you can do is let him at least get like get a gaze. And then he also rallies everybody to go to fucking sure. all the way to Nevada and right. then sneak onto this thing. And like, right. it's sort of like, I'm of two minds about it. Like, I don't necessarily think he's totally terrible and bad. Oh, no. Um, I Because he does do some of this stuff. I think he's a very like, um just a... Uh, he does read like a confused young person who has ideals. And ultimately yeah. those ideals kind of sort of not win out, but like express themselves and like the actions that he does. Because you're right. Yeah. He just he's the one that wants to go see Claude out in Vegas before or Nevada rather before yeah. you know, he shipped. If he off. was he's truly selfish, you would have had no desire. They wouldn't have done any of that. Right. Just right. Been like, oh, let's just stay here and get high. But he does to an extent follow through and then take. I mean, I grant, I don't think he understands the risk when he's taking the sure, risk because yeah. he's so flippant about everything. And he thinks right. that like, oh, like he's even like making these stupid faces when he's in the barracks. Like, oh, 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 right. I'm, I'm pretending to be Claude. Right, like, right, right. He at no point understands the consequences for it. And I guess that's sort of the point. Right. Sure, Is that yeah. it's like that's that, that's the the benefit of like having done this film, like whatever, 10 years or something after sure. that movement had helped. It's yeah. like these, those kids probably didn't really understand that because you're right. 17, 18 and you're invincible and nothing will ever affect you. But. Right, right, right. I don't see that takeaway as like kind of disagreeing with mine at all. I think that is like the same thing. Like no, no, these yeah, are, yeah. yeah, these are just people who are young and who don't understand the consequences of this machine that they can't get out of. I think the main thing that I liked was like it, it ended up becoming about and again, I don't know. This is just people can argue with me and sure. say that this is reading into it too much. But like I took it away. I, the thing I took away from it was like he ended up ultimately doing something for his friend. Right. 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 And it wasn't about like the social movement. It wasn't about right. the war. It wasn't about all this other thing, which, you know, are all, you know, uh, what sort of thing of they're all valid things to fight for. And, right. like, you know, concerns to have. But I think it's like it went from being this big political thing to something that was like a much more kind of intimate, sure. smaller sacrifice i mean not a small sacrifice it was his whole life but like it was about this relationship between these guys yeah. and him being like okay do you really believe that this guy shouldn't go and he ends yeah. up putting himself in there i, I just thought that was uh, that was an interesting twist and no, i thought it was like a really i think it's interesting a really, ending and I, yeah, yeah i think it's a really cool like because for as different as it is from the stage show i'm one of those people that is a proponent of if you are going to adapt a musical feeling okay to deviate from the source material because you know we've talked about this a lot a lot of the movies that are hyper literal adaptations tend to suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, and, and, and sorry, one sec before I forget too, it's like compared to the stage version, like you're saying, it's like the guy who's drafted to go to Vietnam and then goes to Vietnam and then dies yeah. is a somewhat predictable. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, well, of course he's going to die, but like yeah. there's no sort of dramatic irony to it. Sure. Sure. So yeah. I think like by having this character's actions result in him doing that. And then ultimately just being like, sure. fuck it, fine. I'm going to go along with it. It was sure. like, okay, it gave it, gave it more weight i think oh definitely for, like for a movie like i i struggle to see how adapting it as it is in the stage show would have worked so i think like it is weird how compellingly the or how compelling the show is for how plotless it is like it really does yeah, feel yeah. like i had a friend who described it as like protest burlesque because like it does just kind of feel like a bunch of different people getting like their different acts on and they all kind of have like 
similar ideas and they all kind of coalesce together at the end of this, like, you know, let the sun shine in kind of thing. But like, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out on a limb here and it sounds almost like, uh, like watching a jazz show or something where like everybody <laughs> is like part of an ensemble playing their own solo. And then they sort of like have this thing at the end, which would make sense that it's like when you see that live that that would, you know, just inherently it sounds more like playing music live yeah. rather than watching a two hour concert. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, again, all these themes are being like woven in and out. Like it's constantly going back, you know, between like gender expression and free love and interracial dating and, and just like the history mm-hmm. of America itself. And and yeah, like so like none of it all it like it makes sense. It's cohesive, but it's not like like I forgot that it opens literally with the draft cards being burned in the film, which I was like, damn, mm-hmm. like they're just getting like right to it. Like right into it. Um, Because, yeah, like that is like the big thing thing at the end of the first act also a really cool shot by the way like there's some really cool shots in this yeah. movie oh this has yeah. this has my favorite which I, I can't remember if i mentioned this in the uh <laughs> all that jazz one but yeah. i love me a good 70s zoom i feel like oh sure. the 70s zoom is like they don't use it anymore which i get yeah. sad about because i just love that like fucking just straight zoom into something or the zoom out like it's yeah just, it's a bit gauche these days because everyone's like oh we use like prime lenses we don't use zoom lenses. Sure. i don't give a fuck i love zooms yeah oh there's like <laughs> Like that 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 um shot in the beginning where they're going into like the 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 Lincoln Tunnel I guess it is and yeah, you see yeah, like yeah. the draft cards being burned in the distance mm-hmm. and then it builds up and then you just see all of the kind of members of the hippie tribe throwing their cards in it's like so, mm-hmm. like I was like oh fuck that is so cool um there's like, of course like the whole uh, tripping sequence was again I very cool it was it's so very, cool uh, <laughs> like it, yeah I, I'm pretty sure he pulled inspiration it felt like to an extent from um what's his name. You ever see the Holy Mountain? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan uh, Jodorowsky. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a very Jodorowsky kind of. I feel like everyone pulled from that film at some point. Sure, yeah. yeah. It felt very like that. I 100% see that. Yep. Um, and then like there's like that one shot during the the very last scene, um, where it's like okay, like uh, let the sunshine in starts, and then you see like all of, like the other male members of like the tribe in their you know mm-hmm. military garb, and then you just see like that giant like plane and like the gaping like yeah. dark void of the, like the entrance into the plane as like all mm-hmm, of these people mm-hmm. are being packed into it and it was like this is like terrifying. yeah terrifying <laughs> overwhelming. Like, legitimately overwhelming and I, I watched this like in the middle of the day at like 1pm you know bright sunshine like, ah! going out and I'm just like oh this is like fucking with me a little bit Yeah, our, our boy knows what he's doing but uh, what was really fun to see was um a lot of the choreography mm-hmm. in this uh, so again Twyla Tharp is the choreographer who did all of like the dancing in this and it is like she has like a very particular like you see it in Amadeus uh, in any of the ballets, but like this very like yeah, vertical yeah. like horizontal. People are making these big wide shapes with their arms. I, I look stupid as fuck right now for the listeners at home. No, you I'm don't. just like you look great. I look like I'm playing like airplane as a, like a small child. Um, <laughs> But Which like, is awesome. Yeah, a great fun game. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of these songs are kind of like free form, like with characters that you don't ever really get to know too deeply. Like it is yeah. interesting to me, like how they get shuffled around and changed to characters in this. Like, so the, the big song, like easy to be hard, which is sung by uh HUD Lafayette's uh, wife in the movie mm-hmm. uh, is uh Originally sung by Sheila after she's pranked by uh, oh, really? Berger. And it's just like, you know, how can all these kids who like 
say they're about social justice, you know, be dicks to each other. And like I, the movie's yeah. definitely better at giving like a, more of a thrust to things. Sometimes yes, it's, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, that's definitely way more um, effective. Just have somebody actually on the outside of that who's not just getting pranked by like. I don't know. It's a, it's a really stupid prank in the show. It's like he tears her shirt or something like that, that she gets him as a gift. Right. Like, um, but just like, but uh. also, but also what you're saying too, is like, it pulls to like, again, it's like, you can get wrapped up in this sort of, I don't know if ideology is the right word, but for this, for lack of a better word, it's like the ideology sure. of the free love movement and like loving everything, but then also just like not, fucking taking responsibility for the people who look to you for love, which is yeah. your fucking child yeah. and your wife. So it's like, it takes it from being about a movement to something that's like personal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and how that's always at odds with each other. Right, right, right. Like in the stage show, like it's still, it's still like such a good song. Um, There's a, they did a 2005 concert version that was a bunch of Broadway people and nobody's playing in any mm-hmm. specific character. It's just all these pe- different people singing songs and Jennifer Hudson sings easy to be hard. And it is Love so, it. so fucking I'm sure good. It's the best thing ever. It's so Jennifer fucking Hudson good. Never, she never fails. Uh, and like, but like, yeah, like the, the, that's like the most that like to me in that show um, that it really kind of engages with like the idea that like, not that these kids are full of shit, but like, like their kids that they're kids and like that they don't understand yeah. that it's one thing to talk, talk. It's another thing to actually like walk the walk. And like, yeah, it kind of gets that those lyrics kind of get lost in the show itself. Like it's a beautiful yeah. song. You hear it and you're like, okay, but yeah, like, I don't know. It, it had so much more dramatic thrust in this. So there's, there's a sequence in um, the second act uh, called white boys and black boys. And it's, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's, so the, the conceit of both songs is like white boys is sung by black women about white men. And then, uh, black men is sung by white women about black men. And in this it's juxtaposed with Claude being, getting his like physical exam for the army. (laughs) For some reason in front of like a whole panel, they're just like looking at their naked bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which I thought was like. It's very Broadway. It seemed. It reminded me a lot of like, what do they call it? The, the cattle call where they just show up and they're like, you're cast. Right. Nope. Nope. Right. And like, like those are kind of like in, in the context of the show, it's just like, oh man, look at these, like this, these two upbeat songs about, you know, interracial dating and interracial romance. And in this, like the way it's juxtaposed is like. The army's just looking for anybody they can get, you know, because like, yeah. like, except for a, a sort of like, bodies oh, that, oh, like right. except for that poor guy that won't take his socks off. And, yeah. like, what? and then they come fucking lift this they, poor bastard up. He's right. like naked otherwise. And they take his socks off and then he's got painted toenails and they're like, oh, no, no, sorry. Can't do that. Yeah. Even though we just had like, even though like the, the movie is asking you about the inherent like. I guess homoeroticism of men having to look up other men and right, like prove exactly, that they're strong. Yeah. Like I like to me, I'm like that's fucking next level. I was like, whoever made yeah. that creative decision, whether it was Milos or somebody else, I was just like, mm-hmm. damn, I love that like so much. <laughs> like, because one, it was just like a really great entertaining scene, but two, it was also just like, yeah, like the innate like weirdness of this yeah. and like the, the yeah, like the, the cattle callness of it. You know, like yeah. Yeah, very like again, like so different from the show, but it, I, to me, it still really works really well. I'm sorry the creators didn't like it, but like, I don't know. I, I really honestly enjoyed this. <laughs> no, a lot of the songs are very funny. Yeah. Right? Like, there's the one where they're first, they see, um, you know, the debutantes when they're like on the horses. Oh, sod. And then they just, they're like, oh, cunnilingus, yeah. masturbation. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
Conalingus. Yeah, uh, yeah. So much fun. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of songs are really fucking funny. Um, again, my I, one of my favorite ways to listen to this is this 2005 recording where it's just nonstop different people singing songs and doing different takes on it. And like, you're like, damn, there's some really good ass like songs in this show. They're funky, too. They got yeah. some, some really killer bass lines in right. a lot of them. Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, I get it. Yeah. I got it. I was like, yeah, I could see. I was like, I get this. It's yeah. sort of, I'm like. It's sort of like when we saw Jesus Christ Superstar, I was like, oh, yeah, these songs are like they're concert songs, like they're bangers. Like right. hair had a similar sensibility where I was like, yeah, these songs are all kind of. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they're heightened, but they're also just like these. You can listen to these songs without the context of watching anything. And you're just right. like, oh, these are fucking bangers for the longest time. Like, uh, so I'd seen again hair when I was 13 and then this mm-hmm. concert recording came out and I would listen to it all the time. And I had like zero idea of what the fuck was actually going on in the show. Yeah. You know, I was just yeah. like, I just really like the music in hair. I'm just sitting here like yep. Yep. bopping along to electric blues and floating in space. And yeah, let the sunshine in again. Such a, a great song that is often whenever I've seen it used in commercials, like used in an upbeat way. And I'm like, this song's depressing as fuck. Like this song's yeah. like, we live in a- I mean the second time right the first time is like when they're, they're it's like the introduction to all of them and oh sure he's doing this crazy like circle dolly shot where she's oh, singing it yeah. and they're like showing the whole park like, yeah with the age of Aquarius yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh also a great it's pretty song. amazing that's such yeah. a cool yeah, oh this movie like I, I'm like I was very very pleasantly like surprised by this movie because I went and kind of being like it's never it's never at the top of like films of Milos Forman that people talk about but I was like you know what he had some good ideas here. <laughs> like, yeah, I appreciate the fact that Milos, like you said, was somebody who was like, I, these are so the opposite yeah. of like, like this, this whole idea is like the opposite of how I grew up. So he, the idea that he was like fascinated by that and like wanted to make a film about it. I yeah. think is like you get some interesting sort of counterpoints to it. So it's yeah. like, it's like, it's almost like he's trying to really understand it without judging it necessarily. Sure, yeah. The, the way he does that is by sort of giving voice to, you know, as best as he can anyway, like as much as he's capable of, of sure. like, the entire context of what this was rather than just like making a movie about how hippies are awesome. Right, right, right. right. Like this could have been like very much like, um, you know, very straightforward. And it's not that it's not earnest, but like, I don't know, like it's weird. It allows itself to be weird and not what the, you know, the hit show that everyone loved, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's really cool. And I guess I, th- I had said this in the first act, but I'm like, I think this is the musical that Android Weber wanted to write when he wrote Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I and, could see I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like or definitely I wonder. like I don't because I've read his memoirs and I don't really know if hair if he would even own up to hair being like a huge inspiration for it. But I'm like, damn, like because. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar came out in 71, I think. So like, oh my God, I know this too, which I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I saw, I saw this the predates. Yeah. I saw the color drain from your face as I was like trying to figure that out. Like, like just like the knowledge that you had, you were like, I know this answer. I'm watching her. Why do struggle. I know this? <laughs> right. um, ah. But yeah, like uh, just like thinking about not just Jesus Christ Superstar, but basically every other youth culture musical that has come out since then, like just feels like it takes uh, I, I hadn't really thought about it that deeply until now and I'm like just how much hair influenced f- shit man and it's uh, you yeah. know and hair wasn't unique in its its own self it came from you know there were other like less successful musicals like Viet Rock and other sort of things tackling Viet Rock yeah there's there's a there's an off-Broadway show oh, called fuck. Viet Rock which is I think how James Ragney and uh um Rado met actually was one of them was in Viet Rock. Someone, one of them had a connection to Viet Rock. And, uh, but like, uh. so it wasn't unique in that sense, but you know, between, I don't know, the songs just slapping and the nudity scandal. Cause 
yeah, like there's there's a decent amount of nudity in the film. I was like wondering, like how much nudity? It's okay. Is yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a little bit of there's it. A little not, bit of nudity. not as much as we would like. No. We'd like more nudity in every film. But. Right, right, exactly. The, you know. <laughs> so, I'm just thinking of all the things we've watched and how nudity might have improved them. Um, uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, that's another day. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a conversation <laughs> for another day. But on the whole, like, yeah, I I really like this. Like, this to me is a good example of um, I don't know, just taking something and making it work for film as opposed to trying to retrofit it for film. Listen, it's our boy Milos. Yeah. He did it. If this made me want to watch Amadeus again so badly. I was like, I want to watch Amadeus. We sort of discussed this. It's like, is that going to count as a musical? Because it kind of does. Because you and I are both like huge Amadeus dorks. I don't know if that would necessarily work for this show, but maybe offline we can talk. Maybe we can just start tweeting about it. We'll just start tweeting about Amadeus. Look, okay. It's it's got music. It it has a bunch of Broadway people in it. It's got Barbara Brin, our girl who was in Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods. She plays uh, uh, right, right. Stanzi's mom. She's Stanzi's mom. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, It's got uh, our boy Tom Hulse. It's got um, it's got it's got dancing. I think our boy Salieri. Our boy Salieri. Yeah. Yeah. Murray Abraham Abraham in an Oscar winning performance. I think it counts. Uh, Maybe as a treat, but at least we could definitely start (laughs) tweeting about Amadeus. Like legitimately the movie that made me like movies I think I remember seeing it in that in fourth grade and being like this is a movie yeah I saw I saw Amadeus very young too and I was yeah. like what I was like this, this is, is a, crazy this is a movie like mm. yeah even oh like there's Milos. like a that that scene in uh where with the title song um hair in, in a prison all I could think about was like the sanatorium that Salieri's in and I was just like <laughs> fuck, I, fuck I just want to fucking watch Amadeus so badly right now and yeah, uh, like I saw a lot of the same choreography that the hippies do in the park in like the the uh, abduction from the Seralagio scenes of Amadeus. I'm like Twilight art. She just like spinning people around vertically. I like it. And then the yeah. hands, like you said, sort of the hands spread out like the airplane style. It, yeah, it, it's a good way to fill up a frame too. And yeah, make things feel like. <laughs> They're they're almost bursting out of the actual right. uh, film itself. It's, right. it's, a, it's a good method to do it instead of being super vertical. And and then it ends with the plane, a terrifying plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was purposeful. That was why she did it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm 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 a I'm very pro hair. I recommend checking it out. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a as a piece of seventies film and, yeah. and and as a commentary about you know Vietnam and and of course like you said like we love Milos and we'll sort of just watch whatever he does. Yeah. He's a solid filmmaker. Um, it's like he knew what he was doing. Sol- yeah. I don't know. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he, he usually does. Yeah. So uh, otherwise, guys, um, we enjoyed hair. If you also enjoyed hair or didn't enjoy hair, let us know. Yeah. We are on social media, as you may have guessed. We are at yes. Musical Splaining with no G on on Twitter. Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Uh, let us know your thoughts. If you've been in some sort of production, yeah. share cool photos or videos or whatever. I think everybody else loves to congregate on our Twitter feed and, yes. and share those kinds of things with each other. Yes. And we always, we always love it and appreciate it. Yes, very much so. And then uh, I'm at Kavitarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Yes. And I am uh, Angelina or sorry, bleh, sorry. I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram. You can see pictures of my hair there. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to let the sun shine in. Yes, no, let the sun shine. Let <laughs> the sun shine in. I could just do this all day. Oh. Are we still in the age of Aquarius, by we, the way? I don't we, know we, are. we are. We are. Okay, so it's like... Uh, 
the, the they last like two thousand years each. We're in the age oh, of the shit, Aquarius okay. right now. It hasn't been that long since it came out, right? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be there for a minute. So we'll be we'll we'll see you on the other side of the age of Aquarius. Thanks again, yeah. y'all. <laughs>